Boys and girls, fellow writers, my name is Sam YG, and this is Moto Conversations with Husqvarna Motorcycles. Sa podcast na to, papag-usapan natin ang riding. Bikes at mga misis o girlfriend. And the important life lessons that riding has taught you. Join me and our special guests for medyo semi-intense kwentuhan. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Husvarna Motorcycles Philippines and on Instagram at husvarna.motorcycles.ph. Joining me on the podcast for today, I'm uh, quite excited for this. Of course, if you guys have been listening, and we all know that when it comes to riding, normally you'd think that it's such a guy thing you know, to ride motorcycles and whatnot. But we do know that there has been an increase in ladies who ride. And that's just amazing because it, it's been a, a growing community. The community is even getting better. There have been also, I'm sure you guys know about female riding groups. I've seen them myself on uh, whenever I take my long rides and whatnot. And we are actually blessed to have with us one of, I think, the most uh, iconic female riders in the Philippines. I'd like to welcome on the podcast, Miss Erica Fernandez. Miss Erica, how are you? Doing good. How are you, Sam? Feeling great, doing good. We are happy that, number one, things are slowly going back to normal. Number two, the Christmas season is around the corner. So uh, a lot of things going on. But tell us what's been going on with you these past few days. How did you spend uh, the whole lockdown for pandemic months? Actually, I really enjoyed the fact that there weren't so many cars on the road. So uh, we actually had a few meetups with the girls and some of the guys from Triumph. We did a few fun rides together. And so it's really nice having so little people on the road. It, it was uh, nice and cool, safer to ride too. When you ride, do you prefer riding solo? Or are you the type that would rather ride as a group or in a group? I would rather ride like if I had the purpose of seeing some of the other girls who are riding. But I also have enjoyed riding by myself. Depends if I'm out for a cruise at night or I'm out to see some other girls. Then it's equally as, as fun for me. I actually want to start off with, uh, of course, we got to know this. How did you get into riding? What was it about motorcycles that attracted you? Well, first of all, they said my dad didn't want me riding. So I got curious. Oh, as they say, you know, there was a saying by Aristotle that goes, Masarap <laughs> Aristotle. Yeah, Aristotle, Aristotle said in 1972, Aristotle. he said, Masarap So was this from your parents? They told you on? Well, in general, it just, it, you know, it wasn't the norm that we could enjoy such things. And I guess in some countries, some women still can't ride bicycles. They're not allowed to, right? So it was just something I was curious about when I was in college, just living in Arizona. And uh, one of my neighbors had a few dirt bikes. And so I'd see them every day going to school and home. I would take the bus. And I thought to myself, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I could just ride to school? So I asked him to teach me one day. And he taught me one day outside, uh, out in the desert. And it was quite an experience. I could barely reach the, the floor because he put me on a KTM. I can't remember the, the CC the, of that. The exact model, yeah. That was a long, long time ago. You know, I never left first year, so it was nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the desert. 
just getting yeah, getting the the hang of things. So if you mentioned this was in college, high school? Yeah, this was in college. College. In Arizona. So that means how, how long have you been riding? Well, since I moved back to Manila, that's the only time I ended up buying my own bike. So I would qualify, let's say, as a rider when I bought my own bike. And I had the opportunity to buy, I mean, to ride some more. So I'd give it maybe around eight, 10 to eight years. Okay. And do you, do you still remember the first, per- of course, you would remember the first purchase. What was the first bike? It was a DT100 1979. Okay. You went for a classic. I went for a classic. I, I like the retro look for the bike. So I wanted something that was more of like an enduro, something I could use on and off the road. So that's why I got the DT100 enduro. It was still a two stroke. It's still here, actually. Oh, it's still with you. You still have it with you. Yeah, it's still here. Oh, wow. Okay. So I still own it. As they say, first love never dies. Okay. So moving down, was it such a, this is something I'm, I'm really curious about since you said you, you've been riding for eight to 10 years. And I did mention at the start of the podcast that the female riding community has been growing. And it's just amazing. But I could just imagine eight to 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. That would not be the case because there were probably only a few female riders at that time. And you probably know who they are. Actually, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody when I moved. So when you were starting to ride, who were, who were the people you'd normally ride with? Actually, I was riding alone and with Toadie. So Toadie, the builder, Kratos Customs. So now it's Toadie's workshop. So I actually rode the most with him. And then I started to ride with Gaki and Carol because they're one of the, they're the founding, my founding sisters of Lita. So we started riding Carol, together. Uh, from, uh... The South as well. Carol Karth. Yes, right. Yes, right. Carol Karth. Okay, so it's, I pretty much, uh, of course, Gaki, people uh, know Gaki for Gaki Moto. Todi is also such a, a good friend. He's been, you know, a friend for so many years. Such a great guy, great, you know, moto builder. Now, whenever you'd remove your helmet and people would see, oh, it's a girl, what would be the initial reaction? Their reaction? At least back in the day. You know, you got a big bike. And here you are, of course, everybody's you know, expecting a, it's probably a guy, but here you are moving your helmet and they see, oh my God, it's a girl. What would be the reaction of people? I didn't really pay much attention to what their reactions were like, but I could only imagine it would be a little, I be careful, dahan, dahan, because she's a girl. Pala. So in a way that... Do you get offended by ganun? No, I don't. I don't. I, I do appreciate gentlemen. So I appreciate that. From guys. I don't like it when they see that you're a girl and then they'll make you get git pa. Koopa. Oh. Sorry. Okay lang yan. Uh, our, our editor, uh, our recorder, Lander, you know, always says bad words. It's okay. <laughs> okay, so, so let's talk about you and your riding, at least in the Philippines. How far have you gone? Tell us about your most epic ride. There has to be that one ride that, you know, you would remember for practically the rest of your life. It was just so epic. Actually, I don't really ride to do long rides. I don't enjoy that as much because I do enjoy smaller displacement bikes. I do enjoy the dirt track. I do enjoy the trails. But uh, if I were to say the one that I enjoyed the most was my trip to Pora. And we rode... Pampanga. Yes. And we rode in the Lahar. 
And uh, I think most of us were girls except for Toby. Okay. We must have been about 10 girls and then Toby. So some of the girls were on four by four, so ATVs. And then some of us were on dirt bikes. And then if we got tired, we would just switch out, which was nice. It's a very convenient, spoiled way of dirt biking. Getting through it. <laughs> but what is it that attracted you to motorcycles? It's the illusion of liberation, I guess, when you're completely controlling the bike and you have no borders around you like you would have with a car. It's a really nice sense of freedom that you feel. You feel the wind, you feel the heat, you hear the sounds, you feel you have control of everything. You have the brakes, the pedals, the throttle, everything is under your control. And I feel like, you know, you're the master of everything that happens next. And so that's a nice, empowering feeling, I think, when I ride. That's why I enjoyed it. Do people still tell you till today, oh, you know what, you should stay off their two wheels, stay off motorcycles or whatnot? You did mention before we got on the podcast that you actually witnessed, of course, a few accidents here and there. Was there ever a time that, you know, was like, you know what, all right, maybe I should slow down. Maybe I should, you know, sell my bikes. That's always on my mind. I think that there is always a risk factor that I consider every time I go onto my bike. I think it's like a 50-50. How much do I want to enjoy and how much am I risking and is it worth it? I always check the weather before I go out. I always try to minimize the amount of risk. And people can tell me, you know, don't ride today. Most of the time, it's not what people say that will deter me or influence me to get on my bike. It's more of really, I have the last say. No one can tell me otherwise. I want to talk about these things. I usually ask our guests on the podcast Do you have any rituals? You mentioned just now that. There will there be times that people tell, you know, don't ride, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Of course, it is a risk. But are there any rituals or anything you wear, maybe your favorite pair of pants, your boots, as, let's say, a lucky charm, or it makes you just feel safe while you're riding? I do. I have a, a St. Benedict scapular that I wear that makes me feel like, oh, I'm going to be okay. And that's definitely, it's become one of my rituals. Uh, before I get on my bike. I think that's one of the most important things that I look for to put on before getting on my bike, just so I don't get psyched out. Eight to 10 years, that's no joke. Those are very decent uh, years on the saddle. Any accidents? A few on the dirt bike, but never on the road. I'm very conservative when I ride on the road. You know, I'm not one of those people who start lining and trying to... Yeah, and I don't line to overtake and things like that. It's really only when it's really traffic that I'll try to squeeze my way in when there's no movement at all. It just doesn't seem like it's worth the the risk and the trouble trying to beat the time on the bike. Well, that's I have to agree with that. And we do have female listeners as well who have been toying around with the idea of purchasing or getting into, a, you know, into riding. What would be your uh, advice if you're going to give them a, your two cents. Well, I think the most important piece of advice that I think any of the the women writers that I know would give is to take the proper classes so that you understand proper road rules, the proper way of handling your bike, the proper way of troubleshooting, especially if there's gravel, like the Lita's 
all of almost all of us have gone through Melakino's course. Mm, yes, yes, of course, right. For the dirt bike and drifting and all of that, it just makes you, you the more confident. It makes you a better rider. At the end of the day, it's worth the investment, even beyond just learning the basics. I'd say invest on that that sort of knowledge and the skills so that you can be a better, safer rider. How about your two cents for for guys who are trying to buy motorcycles, but their either their girlfriends or their wives would not allow them to purchase motorcycles? This would be good. No, it would be good coming from you, from a, a fellow female. Are there any tips that you know you should tell the guys? Okay, this is what you tell them, so they're gonna allow you to buy your first bike. Or they don't have to hide their uh, bikes in their friend's garage. Puso kasi yun eh. Oh, si Toddy. Master John. Diba? <laughs> Sorry, Toddy. Anilaglag ka pa namin. I was going to say anything. God knows who owns the bikes in Toddy's shop. Nobody even knows who owns them. But there are now like almost 20 bikes there. That You know why? Kids, I so. think that there's a misconception kasi that guys who have so many bikes, a lot of sports cars, a lot of toys, a lot of scooters, a lot of skate you know, electric boards. And, you know, they have this, there's this misconception that guys with a lot of toys have a lot of girls. And Nicole, I think that that's, Nicole, that's really that's ridiculous. True. That's not true. That's not true. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry. You, but, why are you no, 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 no. no, because our, once again, our, our uh, lander here, lander who's recording our podcast, it's like that. So he's, he's not, <laughs> not the type, he's not the type of guy. Lander no? talagang. Si Lander ang maraming gaya mga toys. Hindi ba totoo yun na maraming mahilig sa cars, sa bikes, adventure, diba? all these whatevers. Ah, nako, chick boy to. Hindi totoo yun. Maybe I shouldn't have said it. No, no, no. We have to defend, defend your point. I, I like that. I have friends kasi who go through that eh. I have friends who they're married or they have children and the family of the, the wife will think ill of the intentions of the guy because he has a lot of toys he's got. He bought himself a new sports car and he has like three bikes, you know, and then they think you should be saving your money for the tuition of the child later on. You know, like he can't. So what? They should buy a uh, Starex instead? What? what? You know, oh, instead of the sports car? Oh. You know, so it, it's just that it's a misconception. And I think that's a very unfair way of thinking, especially to the person who is earning that money. They should have the right to decide and know how to spend that just not only for themselves but even to take their wife and their family out you know once in a while it's a nice gesture and it's a nice thing to have and i'm a believer of enjoying your toys that's true that's true i want to expound on the enjoying your toys but miss abby told me we can't do green jokes on this podcast no but okay <laughs> yeah uh pun intended okay. i understand you you have a husvarna yes i do the Svart Billen 401. 401, yes. Okay. Why do you go with the Svart over the VIN? Well, I chose the Svart because I do like the height of the handles, the better. It, it just makes for an easier ride for a girl my size. And I like being a little bit more upright than like hunched over. It's a very aggressive way of riding, which I never got used to that kind of way of riding. And I don't entirely feel that comfortable riding completely hunched down. Sports mode. Yeah. yeah. Especially be, like if my feet are like on my tippy toes, you know, I feel like an aswang with my feet dragging. Like, <laughs> just, but the look, I love the look. I love the 
the way it handles, especially. It's a really great city bike, and that's really what I use it for. It's my favorite city bike. I can't use any big bike to go around the city the way I use that. It never overheats on me. I love it, even in traffic, Diva. And it's so easy to maneuver in and out of traffic because it, it feels like a dirt bike, but it's a 401. So you get the best of both worlds on that bike. Are there any uh, modifications, anything you've purchased, accessories that you've added to your smart? No. Not yet. Stock to the bone. I've kept it stocked. Nothing. I haven't bought anything other than my village sticker. <laughs> the village only thing sticker. I've added so far. Yeah. Oh, wait. Have you actually taken it out on the highway? Yeah, yeah. I've taken it. How does that feel? I'll give Skyway and Essex an example. The, the potholes really suck. I must say. But when you see it, you just, you know, stand up a little bit so that you can take it. Other than that, it looks quite well. I keep it at the speed that I know I can control. That's very important. I want to stress on that. Especially because of its size. Maybe if it were the seven, the 700, because you, you can make a little bit more hata on that. But because of my size and because of the size of the bike, I feel like I'm just going to fly off if I'm going a, a little too fast. So... For that size of a bike, I really enjoy using it more in the city. I actually have to agree. I, I enjoy my 401 around the city. I've taken it out of town, Tagaytay, a couple of times. But riding to the east is just fantastic. You get your fair share of twisties. And it's such a nimble bike that you really get to enjoy it. And when you're going on twisties, you don't really need a, a huge displacement. You're there to enjoy you know, the movement, the flow. Like you're not after like a thousand two hundred cc bike or a thousand cc bike, a lower displacement that's very nimble is exactly what you want to have when you're you know riding up a mountain. Correct. Now, are you the type of rider that listens to music while riding? Yes. Okay. I have a I have a car though, so that's what I use. Okay, let's talk about uh, your pickup songs. Let's talk about give us like three songs that you oh, listen no. to because you have your your you know. <laughs> Yeah, all right, I'm going to go on a ride today. Are you serious? Let me, let me, get, my, let me get on Spotify and let me, you know, okay. hit this track. Give us like three tracks that Erica Fernandez would listen to or it's part of your riding playlist or whatnot. Okay. One of the playlists that I always put on is my disco playlist. The disco playlist. What are, yeah. what are the songs in the disco playlist? Please enlighten us. So the very first song on there, I believe, is the... Murder on the dance floor. Mm, so okay. I really enjoy listening to my disco when I'm on my bike. Because even on the stoplight, if you see someone bobbing their head and dancing, that's usually me. Oh, I, I do the same thing. Whenever I'm on a stoplight, then, you know, I, I, start, I, I start moving. Okay. Uh, give us more songs. Songs that, that you listen to. Another one would be Donna Summer's Hot Stuff. And that always comes on every time I'm writing. So even if it's on shuffle. Uh, a few Dua Lipa songs, usually it's levitating. Levitating, okay. Yeah, usually comes on. So I really enjoyed her last album. There's a lot of disco into that album. So I enjoy having that on the road. Because I don't like to listen to like, you know, my usual grungy metal stuff on the road. You're already stressed. That was, you're going to listen to that, Padiba. You're supposed to calm down and enjoy your ride. So I really enjoy, I really enjoy my disco when I... I'm on my bike. Keeps you nice and relaxed. Yeah, keeps me happy. It's interesting to talk about that because I, I noticed people have been building their uh, 
riding playlists as of late. And they've been sharing it on, on, on different platforms. So I just want to you know, pick your mind when it comes to music that you listen to or people could actually get on when they're writing. Give it a shot. Give it a try. Because sometimes the music really sets the mood and sets your writing pace as well. Because one, yeah, one time I, I tried to listen to DMX. It wasn't you know, such a pleasant experience. You know? No, uh, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here. And I was just like, you know, I was just. You don't listen to that in this country on the road. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. <laughs> not the best writing music. Well, at least for me, but it depends on, on everybody. Erica, your advice for people who want to get into writing, whether guy or girl. I think it would still be the same. Try as many bikes as you possibly can before you buy one. and really assess the need what you're going to use it for might not be the same bike you might want to take out on a leisure ride versus a commuter's bike so you should one learn how to ride properly and that'll help you pick the kind of bike that you will buy many people will buy a bike and then they'll learn how to ride properly a lot of us made a made that mistake i think i made that mistake too you know it's worth doing it right the first time to spare you any accident. And we all know a lot of people are uh, are graduates of uh, University of YouTube. Yeah. I mean, to learn the controls, it's always worth watching those videos, but it's not going to teach you how to ride properly the way a practical, experienced rider would be able to teach you. That's absolutely correct. And we, uh, you know, I, I can't stress that enough. You can never be too good of a rider since you are you know operating a vehicle with two wheels without a shell so the more you know the better you'll be and nothing beats of course saddle time erica we're gonna wrap this up by asking this question that i ask everyone what has riding taught you about life if there's anything that it taught me is really the my limits i have a very difficult time with limits and so when other people try to limit me, I don't necessarily listen until I've experienced it myself. And so there have been a few close calls and now I know my limit. I think that that's important for every writer to to experience and learn, hopefully without hurting themselves. I I, I luckily did my classes with Melakino before some of my close calls and that really must have saved me a limb or two or my life even. So That's true. I've actually taken his lessons a few times. Great, great coach for those who are also looking into, you know, starting how to ride. And it's also a good thing to learn, even if you know you're you're a roadie or road rider. Taking lessons for dirt really teaches you how to control the bike. Changes. Exactly. You know, when you're drifting, when you're losing that traction, how to catch the bike and everything. But I'd have to agree, you can't you can't learn enough. Definitely. And so that's where you learn your, a lot of your limits because of those experiences. And I think that for me, I had to learn to ride and I had to learn all, I had to learn all of those things. And so now I know my limits when it comes to that. It's like love, you know, you have to fall, you get hurt and then you know your limits. <laughs> but sometimes even if that happens, you still do not know your limits and you do it again. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I will remember that and I will relate that to love. I will remember that. Is there such a thing as enough bikes? Can one person own enough? When should you say, all right, too many bikes? Is there such a thing? I think that 
it's different for every person. And I think that when the hobby becomes unhealthy, that's when you know that it's too many bikes. Okay, I like that. And we are going to leave you with that. If you know that, you know, the hobby is becoming dangerous, then that's where you have to hit the alarm. And that's where you got to, you know, have some self-control. Erica, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And we've had a few guests and I've actually got, got a chance to ride with practically everyone except you. So I do hope I get to bump into one of these days and we get to hang out and uh, plan a ride soon. Well, I'll be at the thing tomorrow at BGC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, I told uh, Uncle Manu that if I do end early, which I'm going to end around 9.30, I'll, I'll follow and hang out with you guys. Let's see. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Erica. Oh, please do tell us about your socials where people can catch you. You can find me on Instagram at Rixfern, R-I-X-F-E-R-N. That's basically it. That's the only thing I have out in the open. So they can catch me there. The rest you have to figure out for yourself. Erica, thank you so much. Great <laughs> chatting with you. And I'll catch you on the road. Nice talking to you too. All right. Thanks, Sam. This has been Sam YG for Motor Conversations by Husvarna Motorcycles. Don't forget to check our official store on Lasmall to find your original Husvarna Motorcycle Lifestyle merchandise. Oh, 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 o